that like we're going to figure out who possibly threatened us throughout all of time and we're going to take <laughs> them out before Stephen Strange is, is the uh, you know the sorcerer supreme or anything yeah welcome to the crooked table podcast where we discuss the world of film from a fresh angle and now your host Robert Yannis Jr. Welcome to the Crooked Table Podcast. This is Rob. On this show, we like to democratize the film criticism community and conversation by talking to fans and critics alike, bringing on a different guest every episode to talk about a movie of their choice. So this week, I am joined by Zach Matthews of the Proper Gentleman Podcast. How's it going, Zach? Hey, Rob. I'm good. How are you? So uh, I'm doing great. I am really looking forward to talking about this movie. Uh, it's actually being particularly timed to a related film, but we'll get into that in a second. So it's interesting how you and I connected. So you actually, you know, you and I got connected over social media. Yep. Uh, not even Twitter. You would think normally a lot of people that I talk with on Twitter. <laughs> so you reached out to me over LinkedIn. Yep. Uh, and then I, I think, we, you know, you told me about your podcast and I, and, and we just kind of, I guess, uh, the conversation kind of turned to our, our side hustles, as it were. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> tell, uh, could you tell people a little bit about uh, what your show is and, and uh, why they should check it out. Yeah, for sure. So um, we uh, the, the Proper Gentleman podcast is a podcast um, that me and four of my best friends founded. Um, we've been we're childhood friends, so um, we just kind of it, it's just kind of a natural uh, back and forth that we have. But um, the main topic of the podcast is just to kind of hang out round table style and uh, talk about all things pop culture with a heavy focus on the nostalgia aspect of the topics that we cover. So like, for example, we did um, a few weeks back, we did a Pokemon episode, the first 150. Um, so we focused on like, you know, Pokemon Red and Blue. And then, you know, we've, we've done episodes like, you know, our favorite comic book movies and, and, and things like that. So um it's a good time. You should check. I mean, it's it's just if you like, you know, uh, a broad cover of a topic and, you know, laughs along the way, then you should definitely check it out. And that's the thing, too. I think with podcasts these days, there's so many uh, there's so many niche podcasts that focus specifically on, uh, you know, comic book properties or, or Star Wars or, or whatever, uh, that I think it's it's cool that you guys, uh, as far as the, the topics are concerned, you're you're a little looser with that, where it just, you know, whatever you kind of feel like talking about gets wrapped onto the show. But it's really the the main consistent draw is the the chemistry amongst amongst uh, all of you and and sort of uh, yeah. so the people listening it's basically like hanging out with a bunch of friends every time you listen to an episode and I think that's that's really cool that you guys do that yeah no I appreciate that that's that's the the main idea is that you're a fly on the wall to the conversation so I appreciate that yeah and it gives you the freedom to bring in whatever whether it's a big big movie or uh, you know something personal and things like that so that's cool so uh, definitely check check them out uh where can people find the podcast uh pretty much anywhere they get their podcast podcast fix so i'm mean, we're, we're up on itunes um on spotify um you know it, i don't know the other ones offhand but um pretty much anywhere you can you want to listen to a podcast i think we're on soundcloud too so um and then you can check out our website to propergentlemanpodcast.com all the episodes are listed on there Great, great. So wherever you're listening yeah. to the Crooked Table podcast, you most likely can find the Proper Gentleman podcast just yep, by searching yep. for it. Um, That's right. So, uh, so when uh, when we connected and uh, you you actually filled out the form on the website, 
uh, just because formality, I guess, of all of that. Uh, so <laughs> what uh, I guess we could just mention, we're, we're going to talk about uh, Captain America, the Winter Soldier. So mm-hmm. before we get into why you picked that, let's listen to a little bit of the trailer right now. We're going to neutralize a lot of threats before they even happen. thought the punishment usually came after the crime. S.H.I.E.L.D. took the world as it is, not as we'd like it to be. This isn't freedom. This is fear. You need to keep both eyes open. Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? So that was a little bit of the trailer for Captain America, the Winter Soldier, directed by Joe and Anthony Russo. So, I, you know, what made you what made this your go to film that you wanted to talk about? Yeah. So this is one of my favorite um, Marvel movies of all time. And, you know, I think what makes it so great is is Chris Evans is Captain America. He's such a believable Captain America, you know, in fact, so much so that he's probably a Captain America in real life without the superpowers. I mean, you know, just a few weeks ago at the, um, at the Oscars, you know, he's getting, mm-hmm. all, you know, all this notice. Yeah. All these notice for, uh, helping, you know, the, one of the, the winners up the stairs because of her dress. So, I mean, you know, it makes him lovable and, and it makes the, I mean, the stories are, you know, the storylines are just killer. So, um, but this one, especially it's, it's probably my favorite because it, it starts to take the Marvel Cinematic Universe into a very serious turn, um, mm-hmm. whereas, you know, up until that, it was like this very brightly colored uh, superpower team <laughs> type feel, you know, um, it, it starts to make it more tactical and, um, you know, there's more diabolical plots behind it. Yeah, I think it, it's definitely uh, the most grounded uh, probably in, in still as far as in, within the MCU, but for sure, definitely, definitely up to this point. Um, I mean, you had a little bit of that with Iron Man, but even Iron Man, it's kind of the Batman thing that it's like, you know, it's because he has all this crazy technology. Captain America's just, I mean, you know, he's taken out of time and all of that, but for the most yep. part, he's just basically a strong guy <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. He's just really fast and, and, uh, agile and, and things like that. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I agree with uh, a lot of what you said there. Uh, I think that this film, it, first of all, Chris Evans, to that point, just, you know, if you follow him on social media or you see anything, he just seems to be like a really like down to earth, like, you know, salt of the earth kind of guy. Absolutely. Uh, very much, very much kind of embodying the uh, humility and like strength and, and uh, all that, that embodies captain america which is why whenever i hear things whenever i see headlines it's like john cena wants to play captain america and i'm like uh, i don't know i don't know <laughs> no, about that. you just, just got like a strong it. guy it, there's a little more to it than that there's more <laughs> humanity to the character you know yeah. um and uh, and in a lot of ways i feel like he's probably because of that he's probably one of the more relatable of the the core avengers um, yeah, because he's not a billionaire or a spy or a god. He's this scrawny little kid from Brooklyn who was lucky enough to get these abilities and, uh, you know, serve his country in the way that he wanted to, even when he really was physically un- unable. Yeah. Um, Bound and determined. And, and that's what, you know, um, that's ultimately what brought him to the powers. And to your point, I mean, it, it just makes him that much more relatable and, and um you know, he, he has his own battles, which I think is, is the big draw for this is that he just kind of learns along the way. You know, he's not he gets these powers and 
even in the Winter Soldier, you start to see him like learn more of like the the fighting style that Captain America is known for. You know, where up until that point, it was like this brute, like punching. You know, just kind of using his powers mm-hmm. however he could. Now he's starting to like strategize and uh, turn into the Captain America that we know today. Well, and also, I think uh, in a lot of ways, the Winter Soldier, not only does it bring him into the modern context, like narratively, uh, well, I guess Avengers does a little bit, but that's such a focused story that it doesn't really delve into what it's like for him to now be 70 plus years displaced from his own time. Yep. Um, I, I, the, the character, I think, really comes into his own in a way that we hadn't seen in the other two movies. You know what I mean? Well, the first one oh, yeah. uh, is a period piece. And so it's, it's really about him trying to find a way to do some good while also kind of being this propaganda prop in a lot of ways, just, you know, playing the USO shows and, and on the, on the, <laughs> you know, on his downtime, uh, actually fighting battles yeah, and kind right. of be, being taken seriously. And then Avengers, he's just, a foil for Tony Stark and he doesn't really have, you don't really get to get to know him uh, in a, in a current, in a modern day context until this movie. And I think the fact that he, uh, he, I really like the element of the fact that he is from a simpler time kind of confronted with these much more, more morally complex uh, age in which we live. And there's a lot of, you know, post nine 11 kind of paranoia and, uh, you know, we'll get into more of the influence of the film and stuff in a, in a few minutes, but, sure. um, so what is your kind of, what is your history with this film? Like, did you, did you see it when it came out in theaters and would you do, were you struck by it immediately or has it taken time to kind of grow, uh, you know, your, your appreciation to grow? Sure. So I, I saw it in theaters. Um, and I can remember why this movie stood out to me so much. It, it probably got amplified because, you know, Avengers came out and I was all about, you know, I was, I was on board, you know, like I was convinced, mm-hmm. but I was concerned, you know, I'm like, where, where do they go from here? You know, cause I know they have this big MCU planned out, but is it, does it get much better than that? You know what I mean? And, uh, so you see Iron Man three comes out and I, I don't want to speak for you, but I wasn't impressed with it. Um, mm-hmm. And then, you know, Thor Dark World comes out um, after that. Again, not impressive. It wasn't a bad movie, but I I just... I I think, uh, just to that point, I think Iron Man 3, I think it's fair to say, is very divisive. Like, there's either people that really like it or people that really don't like it. And I think a lot of that has to do with your... Uh, your familiarity with the, the source material and things like that. Like people True. that knew the Mandarin, I think came into that movie being pissed off about the big twist. And yes. those that were just seeing it as a movie were just like, Oh, okay. That's interesting. I wasn't expecting <laughs> that. Uh, but Thor, the dark world, I think is generally considered one of the weakest in the MCU. So I, yeah, I agree. I no think question. Winter Soldier, it was really up to them to legitimize the post Avengers like landscape going forward. And then guardians yeah. came out after and helped right. out even more. Oh yeah. Yeah. And that, that's what got me back on board. You know, and, and this is the, this was the first movie that the Russo brothers um, directed. So, you know, who have obviously played a, a big role ever since they did Civil War. They did the two, you know, Infinity War and Endgame. So um, they just did a really good job of uh, scaling it back down from the the Avengers, you know, this all encompassing movie into, um, you know, a scaled down version. But still it's still believable that the adversaries that he faces in Winter Soldier, you know, could take over the world. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and and from what I've read, it's, it was a real conscious effort on the part of the Russos to not bring Red Skull back, to really have it just be human villains and just uh, you know undercover Hydra agents. And the only I think the only indulgence they really give themselves is. Uh, uh, Arnim Zola, uh, Armin Zola, I forget his first name, uh, but Zola's like consciousness on the television, on that computer screen. It's like the only, right, right. I think the only element of the movie that really goes, embraces kind of the sci-fi aspect of it. Other than that, it is pretty grounded political thriller. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. And then for me, when this came out, it's actually really funny. I, this, the exact release date for this film always really sticks out in my head because I didn't see it on opening day because I was getting married on April 4th, <laughs> 2014, when this came out in theaters. So I actually made a, a, like a meme that I posted on my personal Facebook after. I was like, oh, Miss Captain America 2 got married instead <laughs> with a picture from my wedding. So uh, because, you know, my wife's actually favorite Avenger is Captain America. So we were really looking forward to seeing this. And then when we saw the release, they were like, oh, all right, well. Oh, uh, no, week. of course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this come to this, you know, it takes precedence. As a movie person, I'm like, ah, oh, damn. Right <laughs> when that's coming out, can we like push it a little? Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so that's, so that was kind of my experience with it. And you, uh, you know, in the first two appearances with Chris Evans, I guess if you count the cameo in, in Dark World, which is really funny and probably one of the highlights of that movie. Yeah. Uh, this, uh, you know, you get the, he just feels like, he feels like, um, just such a, a boy scout that there's not a lot of depth to him as a character as much in those first two. But sure. then when this comes out and hit the, the, the contrast between his kind of black and white version of how things are, how things should be mm-hmm. and realizing that uh, even shield is, is, is kind of working with, uh, you know, working from an agenda um, as they see, you know, he has that whole conversation with Nick Fury about, oh, this isn't freedom, this is fear, that kind of thing, uh, yeah, and that no very question. much is is uh, they and they hinted at that a little bit in Avengers, when um, him and, and Tony are individually like, re- like investigating what Shield is up to and how they want to yes. harness the technology and all that. Good point. Um, but they develop it a lot more here, and I think it's interesting that he's the one that in, that ended up getting folded into the Shield story because everybody else, Thor, Iron Man, has their own. They have their own little pockets of the of the MCU, but Captain America doesn't like his his whole his his whole mi- pur- purpose and mission is to fight a battle, and so this is the battle that he got kind of uh, the, yeah. wrapped into. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's 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 so cool too because the the man out of time aesthetic that you kind of touched on earlier, you know he he kind of thinks that he left Hydra in the past. You know he hasn't seen mm-hmm. him really since. He's he's had some hints at it, like you said in Avengers, but um, then just all these skeletons that were in his closet, all these all these ghosts of in his past that he thought were you know um, dead in the water, you know get get brought back up in this in this movie more than one. <laughs> So, yeah, yeah, I mean, exactly. he imagined like, you know, all, all the, all the demons of your past coming back at one, you know, perfect storm. Um, so that, I mean, that, that just makes it that much more complicated of a storyline for me. Yeah. And I, I think that the, the film really overall, I mean, this is a little slightly tangential from this specific movie, but, um, just, I feel like the Captain America trilogy really works as a progression of his character because he starts out as that scrawny Brooklyn kid. I can do this all day uh, fighting in the alley and <laughs> yeah. then becomes Captain America is, is brought into this, uh, this very clear battle of who's, who's bad and who's good enters a more complex age where all his past kind of unravels. And then in, in civil war, 
loses a lot of that because yeah. uh, Peggy passes away right. and uh, Bucky is sort of uh, being hunted down and he's mm-hmm. doubting whether or not Bucky is is actually behind some of this at a certain point. And his like the new family that he's kind of found himself in the Avengers is again breaking apart to the point that at the end of it, he just lays down his shield. So it's real like rise and fall of Captain America as an identity and kind of him struggling to uh, to reconcile who he is inside with the, the times that he lives in. Yeah, that's a very good point. Yeah, he's forced to, you know, ever since he got the powers, I feel like he just been able to hide behind the mask and the shield. But to your point, you know, he he has to discover not only who Captain America is, but Steve Rogers is. Mm-hmm. You, know, you get bits and pieces of that, like when he's talking to Falcon in, in Winter Soldier. You know, um, Falcon asks him, you know, are you, you thinking of stepping away? You thinking of getting out of the game and. And he's like, I don't know, what would I do? You know, it's just little pieces like that that lead up to him, like you said, slamming his shield in the ground and walking away. Yeah. And we get a moment in Infinity War with Thor where he has all that stripped away. But I think in a lot of ways, Captain America is even more kind of of a, of a I don't know, a character that's really suffered so much loss. And it's, it's interesting. It's, it's I'm mm. really looking forward, probably the most in a way to see what Endgame has in store for him just because he did get kind of short shrift in Infinity War because the focus was really more on uh, on Iron Man and, and the, the Guardians and the whole thing with Thanos kind of paying off. Um, you know, I, I, where that where that journey is supposedly going to end because Chris Evans has announced that he's just retiring from the role, whether that means he gets, he gets killed or Steve Rogers just like you know steps away but again what is he going to do i don't know we'll have to readdress that towards the end of the conversation what yeah. we think the future holds for him but oh boy <laughs> uh but i i do think that that it's a very clear through line that the character has kind of seen through through these three movies and tied into the Avengers. And I think it helps that uh, Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely, the same screenwriters for all three cap movies and infinity war and Endgame. So, uh, you know, and that's, that's how you get cool little moments. Like I mentioned earlier, but like the payoff of, from the fur of the, the moment in the first one where at the end of civil war, he's fighting Tony Stark and he's like, I can do this all day paying off from the beginning <laughs> of the first movie, uh, little things like that to kind of bring it full circle. So, um, so yeah, yeah, so this, this one picks off, picks up from the Avengers and, uh, I guess not a whole lot of time has passed. It's, it seems like he's just working with shield, preparing for missions, training. Yeah. That kind I, I, of think thing. It, I think, I think, I think you read it's, it's two years after the events of, uh, the Avengers. And he's been kind of laying low, uh, I guess, right. because it's true. The MCU does more or less take place uh, in real time. So from 2012 to 2014, uh, when this film came out. So he's just I think it's it ties into kind of what we were saying. I think he's working with S.H.I.E.L.D. on their on their base, just kind of trying to live his life, like going to get, getting groceries and flirting <laughs> with his neighbor and just kind of like, I don't know, I'm going on a mission because that's what I do. And then it's less, he doesn't have a, a red skull or, uh, you know, an Ultron yet uh, or anything like that to face to face down. So he's just yeah. I, I, adjusting as much as he can to a normal life, <laughs> uh, which is normal funny. For that, him. Yeah, exactly. Which is funny <laughs> because normal for him is still his neighbor is still an undercover shield agent. Yeah. So. <laughs> Yep. He, yeah. His his normal life is uh, walking into the music blaring and Nick Nick Fury bloody on his uh, sofa. Yeah. Exactly. So, how did you feel about the way that this film picked up from uh, from the end of Avengers and kind of uh, introduced us a little more to Steve Rogers' private life? 
I think it was a cool aspect, you know, because like I said, they're they're scaling it down. So really, what else would he be doing yeah. in all this time that, you know, since the last time we've seen him other than because he is essentially a, uh, a noble war machine. That's all he knows. So, you know, he's just kind of been thrashing about with uh, Black Widow and Nick Fury, just kind of going on these side missions when they need him. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I think it's a really cool cool idea. You know, he like you said, he hasn't been fighting. You know, there's not a Red School at every corner. There's not Ultron. You know, just waiting for him every day. You know, sometimes it's the little battles that lead to the big ones. Mm-hmm. And I really love that sequence too at the beginning, where they take on. Uh, I guess that's Batroc the Leaper from the comics, more or less. Is yes, that supposed to be that yeah. uh, that whole like that's where you really get a sense of. Of um, like I was saying, the first in the other two movies, he's very much like you know the leader, but like uh, doesn't have as much personality and doesn't really kick ass quite in the same way. And then that (laughs) sequence comes in in Winter Soldier, and you're like, oh, they're taking this shit seriously now. Where he's like, you know, the stunt work is just astronomically better than the previous. Like like you said, he was just kind of a a brawler in the previous. Right here, he's much more acrobatic and doing spins and things like that. And it, you know, I just the the fight choreography in this movie is probably still the strongest in all of the MCU. I would agree. And I think yep. and I think the uh, a big part of that is the fact that you're dealing with someone who, like I said, isn't super powered, really. I mean, he's, he is he's strong and that and that kind of thing. But he's not, you know, he's not a, an extraterrestrial. He's not a, a, the God of Thunder or anything right. like that. So, yeah, uh, you get some really some really great sequences there. What did you think about that? Uh, you know, seeing that in the, for the first time in theaters, and you're like, "Oh, Captain America movie, cool. This this should be good." And then yeah. seeing the way that it's like almost John Wick level fight choreography happening. Yeah. Uh, what was kind of your thoughts about that? Oh, I, I my mind was blown. I, I remember that because um, it, it opens up, and you know, you get a little bit of a, a full circle thing, like you mentioned earlier, when he dives out of the ship without a parachute. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, he, he just, like you said, he just, he kind of sets it up and, and that's, that's another thing too, is that he's been learning when he go, when he goes on these small missions with shield, you can tell he's been training with him too. And that's what leads to the better fight scenes. But I could just remember thinking to myself, all right, buckle up. You know, this is going to be a completely different movie than what I thought when I was, when I walked into the theater, because um, you just get so many different aspects of, uh, and so many different chase scenes and fight scenes, and and that's kind of a um, foreshadowing, you know, for what's to what's to come. Mm-hmm. I think the action overall is much more realistic and visceral. I mean, really, the only big action scene that has heavy, heavy CG, I guess, is towards the end with the uh, all the helicarriers and things like that. Uh, but it just you you do get a sense that this is kind of cap like. At, at his peak, like he's fully realized his his abilities and uh, and has learned how to execute them uh, in a much smoother fashion. Yeah. Um, I I also really like the decision the, of this movie. As we were saying, they don't really have his supporting cast is all back in 1941 or what 1940, like <laughs> the World War Two. So uh, I think it's it was a smart move to pair him with Black Widow, not only because it does make sense narratively, because if he's working with Shield, that's obviously the one he's the, the agent he's closest with, um, but also just because their ideologies are so different. 
Yes, yeah. I, I think she. I think Scarlett Johansson plays her best Black Widow in this movie. What What do you think? I think so too. I think you get a hint of uh, of how how interesting a character she could be in in the Avengers, the the uh, first Avenger movie. But I, I think here, because she has Captain America to play off of, she uh, still feels dangerous. She still feels a little bit like a wild card, even though you know she's a hero and you know she's on the side of good. You're always like kind of questioning how far she's gonna go with it and they toy with that a lot in this movie where there's an interrogation scene i think it's with sitwell and uh and captain america's like threatening to throw him off over a ledge of the side of a building or something and he's like you wouldn't do it and he's like oh i wouldn't but she would and, and then she kind of pushes <laughs> him over and falcon catches him that whole thing because they, they they play with the fact that she's willing to get her hands dirty i mean she's already got a lot of red in her ledger she says in avengers um and, and i think that it pushes him to sort of see the world not the way he wants it to be but the way it really is a little bit and i think he brings out a, a little bit of a better side in her so that they they kind yeah, of no question in, in essence make each other better agents because of it because of their interactions together yeah that's a good point yep he they kind of level each other out and i do like 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 you were saying i really like the aspect of you know you as the moviegoer are wondering can, can he trust her can should right. he not trust her, you know? Um, because I mean, in, in the grand scheme of things, she is a spy. Like that is what she is. That's what she's was made to do. That's what she was trained to do. And you get a little bit of that in the opening sequence when she's nowhere to be found. And it turns out that she's, you know, backing up, uh, some information that the ship had. <laughs> she's got know. a side mission. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and she, she even points to it. He said, you know, that's not, the, that wasn't the mission. She's like, well, that wasn't, your mission that that was my mission you know right um which complicates things in in a, in a good way yeah i think so too and this is basically their this kind of the first buddy movie in the mcu and you get that a little bit later on where they're like hey why don't we throw hulk over in thor ragnarok you know where they <laughs> again pair off a couple of heroes in a, a single heroes movie uh and, and just the fact that you know He's very virtuous and uh, and all of that, and she's she's much more overtly sexual and uh, worldly and that kind of thing. So there's also that tension between them, where you're like, are they gonna like is something gonna happen like between yeah, the two of them? That's you true. Know, where, yeah. where they, there's sort of those those moments uh, that they, that they then reference in Age of Ultron when she's flirting with uh, with hulk with bruce banner and captain america's like oh you know i've seen flirting this is this isn't that and he's like what do you mean <laughs> up close <laughs> kind of referencing back to this um because that also that's another way in which they're they, they're basically the two most uh polarized uh, heroes in the avengers and the fact that they put them together in a movie is making forming kind of an uneasy alliance i think is, is a really interesting choice yeah yep I would agree with that, and almost to the point where, like you said, you know, you're kind of wondering, are they going to get together? And then you see Avengers: Age of Ultron, and she starts hitting on Bruce Banner all of a sudden, and you're like, wait, what? Like, I thought, yeah, she, that was, I thought she had a thing for Cap. So that was a little bit of a of a of a uh, U-turn. I don't know, and I think you could tell that Joss Whedon's idea of kind of pairing. Black Widow and Hulk didn't really, you know, didn't really go over with fans very much because they've kind of tried to downplay it ever since. 
It was uh, weird. With, you know, I think they, they follow up on it a little bit in Ragnarok. Uh, when, because that's seeing uh, Black Widow on the video screen. Now we're totally like, talking about something totally different, but brings him back. But <laughs> that's all right. Uh, but yeah, uh, they did. They did kind of hint with a. Even though I don't know that Cap and Black Widow are uh, very compatible, like for a relationship. <laughs> uh, just, just like I said, they're just so different. Well, um, they say odds yeah. attract. So that's true. That's yeah. true. I mean, they they definitely have. Let's, they definitely have a connection and like sort of a, a at the very least a mutual respect that I think uh, is a lot is strengthened a lot more over the course of this movie. Um, yeah. Of course, of course, she's not the only one that comes back. They bring Nick Fury here, and I think this is still probably the most substantive role that they've given Sam Jackson since Avengers. Mm. Um, just yeah, because he he does actually have his own his kind of his own action sequence in the middle of this movie. Yes, yeah, a really good one too. A really, good, a really one. good one. Yeah. I, I, I don't, I still don't fully understand why. I don't know. I, I don't know about you, but I, I can remember when, when I first watched it, I was like, he's not dead. Well, you know, when he, sorry for getting mm-hmm. into the spoilers part a little soon. Oh, it's all, it's all good. It's all, it's all spoilers. This movie's five years old. People don't okay, see good. it right now. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> um, but yeah, when, when, you know, you think he, he dies because uh, he gets shot in Cap's uh, living room. I'm like, yeah, he's not dead, you know. So him coming back, I don't know if that was supposed to be like this grand reveal that was supposed to catch in the, you know, in in the heartstrings, but it didn't for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, just another really strong per- per- performance. I love Samuel L. Jackson as Nick Fury. Yeah, same. The more you know about comic book mythology, the more you're like, yeah, they're not gonna, they'll, they'll kill them, but then they'll bring them back like the next. I mean, how many times has Loki died? And there's still every time yeah. you log on, every time you go on the internet, it's there's still a billion posts about like all the reasons why Loki's not dead. Here's this yeah. fan theory and this thing. Like, you know, I think casual moviegoers probably think that he maybe he's out of commission, but um, I mean, obviously, it's much more satisfying that he's not uh, because we get that whole payoff. Um, what did you think about? Uh, I guess not only, you know, we talked about Nick Fury, but the fact that they brought Sebastian Stan back as Bucky and uh, how they handled the Winter Soldier. Thing. I actually have not read that the uh, the arc in the comics about mm-hmm. Winter, like the Winter Soldier arc by Ed Brubaker. I think I wrote that down somewhere. Um, yeah. uh, but I'm I, I'm not super familiar with that. Have you read any of the comics in which this, this movie is kind of inspired? <laughs> it's It's funny you mentioned that because. Um, I'd like to think I'm a little more knowledgeable than most, um, mm-hmm. on, on comic book, you know, storylines and stuff, but the winter soldier was one storyline that I did not know anything about, uh, before seeing the movie. So, um, you, you know, the, the last time that you see Bucky in first Avenger, you know, he's this suave looking fellow, um, really sharp looking guy. And then, you know, even his reveal in, in Captain America winter soldier, I was like, who's that you know because it took me a minute because you know he's got the long hair when you you don't recognize him at first um so you know once they say like bucky you know is that you then you kind of catch on but um sebastian stan's performance is great you know i I, i'm a big fan of his um think he plays he plays off this cool guy um character really well and you know in in this one specifically he's more the sin well obviously he's the sinister um, you know, just, just honed in. Um, cause that's all he's thinking about is how do I kill you? You know, mm-hmm. um, how, you know, how do I finish the mission? So he plays that part really, really well. And then later on in like, you know, civil war and, uh, infinity war, he plays a really good, cool guy, uh, character alongside captain America, which, um, you know, I'm, I'm glad that they've worked him into in, in that role. 
um, for for these movies now. You know, in, in this movie, he basically he's like he's in full on Terminator mode in this. He's yeah. he's he's a, <laughs> a a force of nature that kind of sweeps through. And even though the movie's PG thirteen, for some reason I don't know if it's the sound design or what, but there is a certain brutality to the way he the way he handles himself and the way this the movie kind of captures his various assassinations and and assassination attempts. I mean, even like uh, you know he he just think he like jumps on the car and just like tosses sit well right out of the vehicle while they're talking to him uh yeah. just you know the, the fight scenes even though you know it's essentially going to be bloodless because it's a marvel movie owned by disney that has to appeal to families in general they still right. have to sell his toys and things like that there there is there's a certain intensity to to winter soldier when he comes on screen that i think they really capture you know here but also in civil war um yeah where, that we haven't really you haven't really seen like he he's in a way he's more evil and more like more uh, scarier in this movie than most of the villains in a lot of the other films you know yeah that's very true that's very true and and especially like when he goes back under and Robert Redford's character you know sends him back under and gives him the uh, the electric chair in his head or whatever it is to jog mm-hmm. his memory you know his blood scream um, is really intense I, I I remember in theaters it made me like kind of cringe like uh you know i could feel it you know i could feel his pain <laughs> because he played right. it off really well you know it was really intense do you see it as any kind of like how would you reconcile the fact that in this movie it seems like they just put him in the chair and like reprogram him meanwhile in civil war they introduced all the the you know the the words the oh yeah words. The homecoming you know crash car or whatever Which everybody yeah. was like is that a is that a, a, a tease for spider-man because homecoming uh freight car and like all these yeah so do you right. think that that's just we're just now seeing more of his programming process or do you think that they kind of in in the next movie decided to kind of decided to retcon a little bit how they how they kept him under yeah i think i think it was a, a mixture of two things i think it was a little intense. You know, I could see if, if you're a kid watching that movie, how that's kind of scary. Um, right. You know, and like you said, Disney has to appeal to those kids uh, to sell the toys to them. So, um, but I think the other fact is that more so, you know, it, it wouldn't have worked in Civil War because, you know, the, I think they introduced that early. The only reason they introduced it at the beginning of civil war is so that they can later do it while he's locked up in that chamber, you know, mm-hmm. cause how, how are you going to zap him in, in the chamber when he's locked, you know? So I think it was, I think it was more of that just to kind of bend the storyline in, in their favor, right? make it less, less complicated. It was a cool kind of tie in the the fact that he is a Russian, uh, you know, war machine, kind of this, this, you know, death seeker and so it kind of plays into that a little more with the 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 keywords which I, I i thought was really cool yeah no it works it's just it, it does feel a little bit like oh you know those, those trigger words were there the whole time we just didn't show you <laughs> <laughs> um, well maybe too i mean i was just thinking about this robert redford maybe that's the only way he knew how to rejog his memory maybe he didn't know anything about the keywords i don't know why he wouldn't but um right. you know maybe maybe that maybe it's a little bit of that uh, I, I love the fact that the this the the consequences in this movie really carry over into uh, Age of Ultron and Civil War specifically because you you know we get that scene at the end like at the end here uh, not only do we have Cap's announcement over the uh, you know PA system 
at Shield headquarters that we've been compromised, we've been taken over by Hydra, blah blah blah. That factored into Agents of Shield and basically made mm-hmm. that an entirely different show. But mm-hmm. also Age of Ultron, like they have Hydra kind of on the run, and then in Civil War, they pay off the fact that. Black Widow put all this information and like published all of the, yeah. uh, this classified data for Zemo to yes uh, to get his hands on to figure out how to piece it all together and how to kind of control Bucky and I, I love the fact that even though these movies in a lot of ways I think people that are more critical of them are like oh you know it's just a superhero movie there's no like payoff there's no um, they're not building towards anything none of them really matter I'm like well actually yeah <laughs> this kind of plays hugely into the next few movies yeah Yep, um, I couldn't agree more. They do that so well in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Just any action, you better think about your actions because it will come back to haunt you. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And that's just such a cool aspect. Like you know, they, it doesn't seem like the story writers really ever forget anything, right. um, and they always work it back into the you know into a, fur, a full circle into you know another movie. So yeah, this to your point earlier, Winter Soldier is a an essential movie to the Marvel Cinematic Universe and where we are now, you know, in uh, in in the order that I mean, we're about to get in game. So um, it's it's still playing a part. You know, things that happen in yeah. Winter Soldier are playing out still in uh, in Infinity War and, and Endgame, which is really cool. Yeah, and I think it, it, it really feeds into the audience goodwill that Marvel has built up over a, a decade plus, and. Um, it rewards repeat viewings. Like, as we've said, you know, at the top of this conversation, both of us have have seen this movie several times and are still having this conversation. Like I'm having this conversation. I didn't get a chance to revisit it before we talked. I'm like, crap, I need to, now I need to go back and watch it. Cause now I'm <laughs> remembering how great it is. Like it's all yeah. coming back up. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, the, the fact that it has, that it is kind of inspired by those like conspiracy political thrillers of the seventies, more specifically something like three days of the condor, which again, stars Robert Redford. So it, it it, it knows exactly what, what genre it's playing into. Um, and he, he, you know, he brings that, that grab, he brings that gravi- gravitas to this. I mean, he's Robert Redford. The fact that yes. they were able to get him for a Marvel movie is impressive <laughs> in and of itself. Yeah. Uh, but I think he does uh, predictably a, a tremendous, a great job in here playing, I guess, kind of the unofficial head of Hydra. Now it's unclear if he's running all of Hydra or just a specific initiative of it. I think so. I mean, you get this, I mean, it, it's, it speaks to him that, he, you know, your first exposure to him is in this movie, but because of the way he plays it, it feels like you've known him all along. If mm-hmm. that sounds weird, yeah. You know, his his back and forth with Nick Fury um, at the beginning of the that movie. There's a the, history there. Yeah, there's a history there. You know, um, I'll, I'll do this favor for you, Nick, but you got to have Iron Man show up on my grandson's birthday party. You know, <laughs> yeah. that kind of banter um, makes you feel like he's been there all along, which, you know. I mean, that adds to the depth of the story. For sure. We haven't really talked about, uh, well, first to to touch with Hydra, I love the fact that they brought Gary Shandling, RIP, that they brought him back here to pay (laughs) off his appearance in Iron Man 2, which now retroactively, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of things that, you know, Iron Man 2, like Thor The Dark World, is one of the more divisive MCU movies. And I think it is really over 
you know, over cluttered with a lot of multiple uh, subplots that some of which pay off, some of which don't. But I mean, as time has gone on, we've they've I think like they've retroactively made that movie feel more important to everything. And mm. I think bringing back Gary Shandling here and thinking back to Iron Man 2, where he's really trying to get his hands on the Iron Man technology, it makes sense now that, you know, he was part of Hydra that, oh, he wasn't trying to get it on behalf of the U.S. government. He was Hydra being like, we need to get our hands on this technology. Right, right. Uh, there's a lot of cool things like that, but we haven't even talked about, uh, well, Sharon Carter's not that much to say about her in this. She's just kind of planting the seeds more for future appearances more than anything else, I guess. Yeah, I guess. I, I, maybe we still haven't seen the the bulk of her. Um, I've not been overly impressed with her involvement in the right. in the, in the MCU thus far. Um, well, I guess she plays a, she plays a pretty yeah. good part in the Civil War, right? I mean, she gets his gear back for him. That's true. But she is she is the love interest, you know. Yeah, and she doesn't really get much more to explore other than that, uh, unfortunately. Besides the connection true. to Peggy, obviously. Um, yeah. So. Uh, Falcon was introduced in this as well. And I think Anthony Mackie is so fun in this role. And it's unclear if, if Steve Rogers steps away for good, if, um, if we're going to get someone else taking up the mantle of Captain America, as happens in the comics. I know, I think Bucky and Falcon have both kind of taken up Captain America's name in the, in the, uh, the comic book runs at different points. So what do you, what do you think about Falcon in this movie, the way he was introduced? And would you want to see Anthony Mackie kind of play uh, the next gen Captain America? if Steve Rogers is sort of out of the picture? Absolutely. Yeah, I'd, I'd be a fan of, if either he or uh, Sebastian Stan took it over. Um, but I am a huge... I, I, I almost cheered in, in the theaters when I saw that it was Anthony Mackie because he gets introduced at the very first, you know, when Captain America's lapping him. So you get that comedic relief right away. Um, mm-hmm. But just the kind of the depth of his character. I mean, you know, he's got his own battles and, you know, he's he's had love and loss as well. And he kind of, you know, he very he connects very well with Captain America. He's essentially a a second um, kind of essentially a second Steve Rogers, I would say, um, without Mm -hmm. the powers. But, you know, he's because he's so trustworthy, you know, he was given this suit and, um, you know, he just. I mean, he just—he's so—he's just so sick. I mean, he's just flying around. You know, he plays it off really well. Um, you know, I, I had seen Gangster Squad, Gangster Squad, not too long before this. So, um, you know, I was—I was introduced. I think that was the first Anthony Mackie film I saw, um, or at least where where I fell in love with him. And then you, you get him introduced really early on in this one, and. Um, you know, he just does a really good job. I mean, he, you know, he gels well with even Black Widow. He has, you know, mm-hmm. the, the the vague um, back and forth that they have as well. He just fits right in with the rest of the cast. Yeah, and it shows that it shows to Cap that he can find sort of, uh, you know, he can find commonalities and find kindred spirits in 2014 uh, in the way that he was, you know, in the way that he was <laughs> friends with Bucky in, in the 40s, which leads to that r- really fun dynamic in Civil War where um, Bucky and and Falcon are kind of like frenemies, sort of, they're like they're buddies, <laughs> but not really. Um, and, and that's something that I, I think Marvel really keyed in on that fans responded to because we're supposed to get on Disney Plus uh, uh, the Bucky Falcon kind of limited series or whatever. So that should be interesting to see them play yes. out that relationship even more so. Uh, but yeah. yeah, I agree. Anthony Mackie's really fun in here. And, um, you know, I, I think it I think it would make a lot of sense to have him be Captain America. Um, 
whether or not they do that, I think that they have a lot, they left themselves a lot of options. And the fact that they have someone as charismatic as Anthony Mackie in this part, I think, uh, really leaves it kind of makes it feel wide open that no matter what they do, uh, in the wake of Steve Rogers' absence, whatever that means, uh, I, I think that they're kind of, you know, they have multiple solid choices in front of them. You know, it's not, well, this is the way we have to go and that's it. It's like, well, we could do this, we could do this, we could do this, and everybody would be happy any way, any way we you slice it. So, yeah, um, yeah. I think I think he is a more natural fit, you know, especially mm-hmm. the the movie adita- adaptation of him is a, a more natural fit in the Captain America if they go that route rather than uh, Winter Soldier, you know, uh, Bucky Barnes taking that role in in the movie because I just don't think that S- Sebastian Stan's character has that, you know, uh, steady morality to him, right? And it, that Anthony Mackie has, you know what I mean. Yeah. Mackie, the uh, Falcon, the Falcon has. <laughs> it's it's also it, it reminds me a little bit of something like The Dark Knight Rises, where the whole the whole Joseph Gordon-Levitt character's arc is to prove to show to demonstrate to audiences like, look, he's been through stuff like Bruce Wayne. Look, he doesn't like guns like Bruce Wayne. Look, literally, kind of <laughs> basically in, incept you with the idea he would be a good Batman replacement, right? Um, so it kind of feels yeah. in that in that way like Falcons. It would just be an easy transition for him to be like, all right, I'll take off my, my wings and, and put on, you know, hold this foot on the shield instead. Yeah. Um, so, so, yeah, I think that if they go that, that route, I think that would be uh, a wise decision. Um, also, I think one one part of this movie that I, I feel like they introduced really strongly and then kind of quasi dropped the ball on a little bit is the crossbones character and mm-hmm. the fact that he's he's introduced in this he's it's basically an origin story for that character that right. by the end of it he's he's basically on the verge of becoming crossbones from the comics and then he's spoilers he's in civil war for five minutes before he blows up yeah. uh, how do you how do you feel about his introduction in this movie and then the way that they i guess didn't pay off that uh, that introduction in the next film yeah, I, I think you you expect a, a little more of, of an appearance in, in a you know later a film later on because mm-hmm. he had such a big involvement in, in Winter Soldier. You know, he's he's kind of a a, a worthy advers- adversary um, in in Winter Soldier, and then like you said, you know, he I mean his ultimate goal is just to blow up um, in Civil War. Um, but I think I think in the bigger picture, he, he plays a pretty important role because he makes all the Avengers see in civil war that, Hey, you know, kind of opens their minds to the, to the fact that, Hey, you know, you've been thrashing about, you know, saving, uh, you know, saving, you know, like taking down these villains. That's great. But what about these other people? Like, you know, um, you know, crossbones, he, uh, you know, he got damaged in rebel left for dead, you know? And then, Mm -hmm. I mean, I can imagine that ever since he's been trying to get to cap and get in front of him only to, you know, prove his point that, you know, you've you're not saving us the way you think you're saving us. You know, you're Mm -hmm. you're hurting us, too. So I I think for that reason, Crossbones involvement um, is is essential. But I would have liked to see more of him. Yeah, I mean, I think you definitely need a character to make that point to the Avengers that there there are consequences there's always collateral damage and and uh 
you know, you're never going to be able to save everyone. It almost makes me makes you wish that they hadn't killed off Baron von Strucker so unceremoniously mm. in Age of Ultron because maybe he could have filled that role and then Crossbones could have been sort of working with Zemo like for his own purposes. Uh, there's definitely a way that they could have handled that a little differently. And there's and there's been you know it's been reported that Frank Grillo's supposed to be in Endgame, whatever that means, whether that's a flashback or there's a lot of there's a million rumors circulating about that movie, obviously. And I think yeah, it's really sure. smart that I think it's really smart that they haven't really revealed kind of anything in the marketing thus far. I, I hope it stays that way. I want to go in not knowing really much of what to expect. Yeah, they they th- they throw all fans off the scent. All if you've read comic books, you have no idea. If you're just a natural fan that's seen seen all the movies, you have no idea. Um, I mean, let's just consider the fact that we were all blown away when we saw Infinity War. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, even if you've seen all the trailers, even if you see you know the one that they'll release um, a couple weeks before the film gets released, you still won't have any idea <laughs> going in. You know who's left, who's coming back you know and even like the the trailer we get with ant-man not to go too far off subject yeah yeah. um, it's very related yeah but the 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 trailer that we get um for endgame you see ant-man in you know the camera where he's saying like knock knock let me in you know who i am i don't think he's the only one i think they cut out other people that are in that scene with him if that makes Mm -hmm. sense yeah I think we're just, I mean, you only see Ant-Man, but I think there's other people there, too. Couldn't tell you who, but just instances like that that completely throw everybody off the scent. Like, nobody knows what yeah. the, uh, we can speculate all we want. Well, they've done, and they've done, they've taken, you know, deliberate efforts to conceal plot points. There was, For sure. in uh, Infinity War, they had that shot of Hulk on Wakanda running uh, to face Thanos' army, that he's Hulk does not show up in that whole yeah. movie. The whole movie, you're like, when's Hulk coming? He's gonna here he comes. And right. then it, I saw him in the never, trailer. It never happened. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Or uh, you know, Civil War. They had uh, the the scenes in the airport battle with them facing off, and it didn't. Uh, it wasn't until later that they revealed, hey, Spider Man's there, by the way. Yeah. Uh, things like yep. that. You know, they like to hold. So it wouldn't be wouldn't surprise me at all if we see the movie and and uh, you know. Uh, Scott Lang is outside standing there with Captain Marvel or something who found him in the quantum realm. Oh, that'd be uh, incredible. I mean, they could go, they could go anywhere they want with that. So, um, I guess kind of to, to wrap up the winter soldier part of the conversation, I like the fact that they're basically Hydra's big plan is to, they're developing this algorithm to anticipate any current and future threats. And we get, you know, a, a name drop for Stephen strange. The first time he's mentioned in these movies, yep. um, so, so it, it, I like it because it's like even though we're in this very grounded political thriller, it's it's basically the most comic booky of plans that the villains come up with. It sure is, um, and, I, and I just love the fact that 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 it's posturing itself as this political thriller, which it is very much in a lot of ways, but also has like has this this. Um, kind of outlandish and, and goofy, if you think about it, uh, plot at the at the center of it. I, I love that. Yeah, yeah, you definitely scratch your head at it. I mean, yeah, it's just outrageous. I mean, it's very outrageous when you when you think about it. It's one of those things where you just kind of have to, oh, okay, let's let's move on. <laughs> right. I mean, I think it's outrageous in a fun way. If you're like, wow, yeah, that's like, true. that's that's like something, uh, you know, Cobra Commander or something or the Shredder. <laughs> like, go back to some of the cartoons from, you know, my childhood and things. Uh, I just I just think that's hilarious. And of course, we get a, a uh, the the great Stanley cameo. R.I.P. again, uh, yeah. as the security guard who finds Cap's uniform from the museum <laughs> missing. 
Uh, I think that's cool. And it's basically, I guess, Cap's kind of, in a way, it's it's symbolic of him basically re-announcing himself in a modern context. It's like, oh, here I am in the outfit that you guys remember me in. Uh, so I, I love that. I love that part, but I, I also, it kind of... It's a bummer because I love that suit, um, the Winter Soldier suit, you know, the the, mm-hmm. one, the navy blue one. I think that's yeah. probably oh, yeah. the coolest one so far. So, kind of a I bummer agree. that you have to go back, but I, I get it. Yeah, it's yeah, it's more more of a narrative, like I said. I guess it's kind of symbolic thing than anything else. Back to so, his roots type thing. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. The fact that every all all his history keeps coming back in literally in the form of Bucky. Is, is there anything specifically before we get into you know closing thoughts? Is there anything specifically about this movie that you wanted to uh, make sure that we talked about? I would say that you know not not to bring it bring it down a little bit, but mm-hmm. you know what the only thing that really doesn't work for me is and it's it's petty, but um, I think some of speaking of like the comic booky stuff. I think some of the Winter Soldier's um, antics are, are a little too comic booky. Like when the chase scene, you know, the first chase scene where Captain America is like chasing him down after he shoots Nick Fury. Mm-hmm. Um, he's on the ledge of the building. Captain, Cap shows his shield, you know, and, and like he has his back turned to Cap when he throws that shield. Then all of a sudden he's able to turn completely <laughs> back, catch it. it. Yeah, it's like, well, how do you know you even threw it? And how do you know where it was going to, you know? So it's like, eh, it's... Right. It kind of, okay. And they then, wanted to get that, that bitchin' shot for the trailer, because I remember yeah. that was, like, the big, like, moment at the end of the trailer where he catches the shield. They're like, whoa. Yeah, um, yeah. But, yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I guess to kind of wrap up this particular movie, to me, this this really cemented Cap as one of the most, one of the most interesting Avengers and or heroes in the MCU, and also... And also solidifies his trilogy as one of the best, like the best solo trilogy in the MCU. Probably one of the best superhero trilogies in general. Would you? No question. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yep. Because a lot of them usually by the third installment kind of drop off. Because I really love Batman Begins. I really love The Dark Knight. The Dark Knight Rises a little less so. And then of course you have the X Men and Spider Man trilogies that are usually like by the third installment running out of gas. Uh, And and like I said, I think it's great how how well it works as a trilogy in spite of the fact that there's adventures movies between every film. Um, yeah. do, did you feel at all as a fan of this movie, did you feel at all uh, kind of disappointed by the fact that yes, civil war is great, but it's not really a standalone captain America movie. It's basically Avengers 2.5. Do you feel like we got robbed of a captain America movie or do you think it fits well enough with his overall character arc that it, it's kind of forgivable? I think it, it fits really well. And I think one of the reasons that the, it, it's the case it, it for that reason alone it's it's we're lucky that we've got captain america in other movies as well because mm-hmm. i don't i don't think civil war well civil war definitely doesn't work if you don't get the tension that builds up between iron man and captain america in every single avengers film it's kind of a cool aspect that iron man is essentially the like definitely the antagonist yeah they're on yeah. opposing viewpoints even though we kind of understand where both of them are coming from I don't. I don't feel like we got. I. I think we got the best version of you know a third installment of the Captain America trilogy that we could have possibly gotten. Um, I, I. One of the highlights of Civil War for me is the inclusion of you know Black Panther and, and Spider Man. Um, mm-hmm. So for that for that alone that reason alone I'm I'm glad that uh, that everybody was in it. Um, kind of throws you off the scent a little bit. Maybe we did. Maybe there was an opportunity for them to scale back down a little bit and, and get more of a tactical vibe that we got in Winter Soldier, but 
I don't feel like we were robbed of anything. You know, I, th- I think they did a really good job with it. So I, I agree. I mean, part of me, part of me does feel wonder what a so like real true solo Captain America film would have worked, uh, would have looked like. Mm. Um, I remember when they announced Civil War, they first they did the whole uh, they did the whole phase three lineup that we're now starting to get to the end of uh, with Endgame and Captain Marvel, and they announced Captain America, the Serpent Society, I think it was. And then towards the end, I think they brought out Robert Downey Jr., and they were like, nope, Civil War, and people lost their minds. I think, I'm assuming this was at a Comic-Con. I think it was at SDCC. And um, so part of me wonders what that would be like, but like I said, I feel like his his whole thing, his whole point has been a, a search for belonging, um, you know, he finds his place in World War Two and then struggles in here and then finds some new allies in this movie. And then Civil War, the family that, like I said, the family that he's come to know and his belonging is with the Avengers. He's the ostensibly the leader of the Avengers. Yeah. Um, so he even that kind of fractures and he has to at the end of that movie he has to redefine who he is again. And then I guess just kind of embraces the new the nomad side of his character and then just, you know, has like the secret Avengers running around doing stuff in between uh, that and Infinity War. Right. Yeah. He, um, I, I think that it's, it touches really well. Now that I'm thinking about it, now that you say, you know, we could have gotten a more scaled down, maybe Crossbones could have played a bigger part if it was just Captain America and not a whole mm-hmm. civil war thing. You know, that, that is a shame. Um, yeah. but I, th- I think, you know, because it, like you said, it's just who Captain America is. Like he's an Avenger, you know? Yeah. So it makes sense that his third movie would be the culmination of that. And, you know, he's been learning this whole time, you know, different things, man out of time, you know, uh, what's right, what's right, what's wrong, uh, what, what he thought was, is not, you know, you get that in, in Winter Soldier. And then in, in Civil War, he's forced to take a stand, like enough's enough, you know, like you're not, I'm not budging on this. And that's where the tension starts to rise and, and, you know, obviously boils over, um, so that's, that's a really cool aspect. You know, it just kind of comes full circle, really. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, is this your is this your favorite MCU film out of all like the whatever 20 something we're at now? <laughs> Winter Soldier? Yeah. 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 For sure. Yeah. yeah. For me, it's it's in the I don't know if it's my favorite, but it's in the top five. It's basically like uh, Avengers, in, uh, not in any particular order. Avengers Infinity War, Avengers, the, the original Avenger movie. Um this civil war and black panther like are all like swimming around in the Mm. top five for me um and it's it's i guess it's it's telling that four out of those movies have captain america in them so uh just goes to show you that how 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 much of a uh a pivotal part he's been of the mcu to date i mean it's really most almost all the films feature either steve and or tony so i guess that's that's a perfect transition Mm. where do we think uh where do we think we're gonna leave steve rogers when endgame is said and done that's that's a tough question i mean i know um i think he dies i i don't think i don't think you can write him off into the sunset i don't think that works um Mm -hmm. because you kind of got a little bit of that already you know, with with the end of Civil War, you're like, oh well, is he is he done? Now so if you do, do it, yeah. It, it, yeah if, so if you do that again, you know, I, I just don't. I don't think. I hope they don't do that because it's not satisfying enough. You know, that sounds right. wrong because he, <laughs> him dying would not be satisfying. But um, from a storytelling perspective, yeah, yeah. But if you know that they're gonna, if they write him off, it's gonna be a very heroic way that he dies. So oh, uh, for sure. Um, that would be a beautiful way to end it um, in, in my head, the way that I'm imagining it in my head. Um, 
because he's going to be saving someone or something, something noble uh, that'll make you just, it, it'll wrap it up really pretty, you know, mm-hmm. a, a nice little, a, a nice little bow on top of the present. And, and of course there's precedent in the comics where uh, Steve Rogers dies uh, kind of, I guess in the, in the wake of civil war uh, yeah. in the comic books. Yeah. Hopefully uh, he doesn't say hail Hydra right before he dies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, please. <laughs> um, I, I do think that it's part of me feels like Steve Rogers' death is kind of foretold just because in every movie, like you see uh, early on before he gets the super soldier serum, he jumps on that grenade on the base because he, Mm. you know, he thinks it's, he thinks it's going to, he's trying to save everyone and he's sacrificing himself to do so. Um, At the end of the film, he puts the plane in the water to, to save everyone. Uh, It's just, that's kind of his move is Uh self-sacrifice is kind of the thing he does. Um, But I also feel like in a, in a lot of ways, because there is, because that's directly from the source material, Captain America's death, that audiences, at least the ones that know the comics, will be really expecting that to happen, kind of like yeah. how we're saying now. Um, so I kind of wonder if Kevin Feige and, and the people at Marvel know that that's what people are expecting and will will, will surprise us and have, oh, yeah. have him not die or, uh, or have Iron Man be the one to die instead. Because I also feel like they're, you know, that whole first Avengers movie is... Steve Rogers saying, "Oh, you only fight for yourself. Uh, you know, you you know, you know. Sometimes there, you know, there's no easy way out of a situation. That kind of thing. Uh, sure, poking sure. fun at, at his ego and that, right. and all that stuff. But then at the end of the movie, Tony Stark is the one to take that that missile into space to to to, to travel over there to save everyone. It's Tony Stark is the one that lays his life on the line. So I feel yeah. like they've been building towards sort of a." sacrificial end for both of them which makes me wonder if we're going to lose both of them or if they're going to choose which one they're going to kind of say, stick around uh you know have tony stark kind of hanging out as director of shield or or some other capacity where he's Ooh, that would a, be really uh, cool more of a uh, a guest player than like leading his own franchise so it, it's yeah i'm definitely curious to see what what angle they're going to take with it yeah if they if if they kill off uh tony it it would be disappointing to me that it wasn't in Infinity War because that would have mm-hmm. been. But uh, you know, it, when when Thanos uh, stabs you know Tony, you're like, whoa, you know, because you didn't think it was gonna be him. That you knew right. someone was gonna die, but you didn't know it was gonna be him. You're like, oh my god, like they just killed off Iron Man, you know, uh, and then he like freezes it over, and you're like, oh, at least I was. I was like, what, you know, kind of yeah. like ah, oh, that would have been great, you know. But then they kill half the cast anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Five yeah, minutes later, you're like, oh, it's not Spider-Man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All the people yeah. no. who have confirmed sequels coming out, though, too. So you're like, oh, I mean, he's going to be back next year. It's like, yeah. Whatever. Yeah, right, right. Um, but uh, I would I would be disappointed if, if they killed off Tony, it, it, that it wasn't done then. Um, mm-hmm. So for that reason alone, I don't think they'll kill off Iron Man. Um, maybe it, it will be the end of Iron Man, but not the end of Tony. Right. We'll see. Yeah. 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 Could go a lot of different ways for sure. Oh God. I know. I'm, I'm very excited to see what, what, what ends up happening with the, with all of these characters, especially Captain America, just because uh, I feel like I'm more invested in his individual story than anybody else. Yeah. I'm, he's, he's easily the one that I'm mo- most attached to, you know? Yeah. So I, I guess, I think that's kind of all I have for the, for the Captain America, the winter soldier. Zach, can you tell people where they can find you on social media? Yeah, of course. Um, my, uh, if you want to reach out to me, um, I'm mostly on Instagram, zmatthews7, Matthews with one T, um, you know, and then follow uh, 
be sure to check out Proper Gentleman Podcast. Um, Instagram is Proper Gents Pod. Um, and then, like I said earlier in the episode, you can find us on uh, iTunes, Spotify, you know, pretty much wherever you get your uh, podcast fix. Well, Zach, thank you so much for coming on the Crooked Table Podcast. This was a great conversation. I'll, uh, I'll have to have you back sometime. Yeah, I would love that. This was fun. Yeah, I appreciate awesome. you having me. If you're interested in joining me on the show to chat about one of your favorite films, head on over to crookedtable.com slash guest. Or you can consider supporting the show at patreon.com slash crookedtable. Of course, you can always find more podcasts, reviews, videos, and other movie-related goodies over at crookedtable.com. Until next time, this has been the Crooked Table Podcast, and I've been Rob. This has been a production of crookedtable.com. All rights reserved. That's the yard of the low KED. Do you see all the